Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader, or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 47 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Rich Millington, a well-known expert in the area of online community. But before we do that, we want to be sure to highlight our annual Leading Learning Symposium, and this is an event designed specifically for senior leaders at organizations in the business of lifelong learning, continuing education, and professional development. The symposium takes place this year on October 24th and 25th in Baltimore, and we have a great group coming together for it. To find out what the symposium is all about and to see the great things last year's attendees had to say about it, visit the event website at symposium.leadinglearning.com. We'd also like to thank Naylor Learning Solutions, powered by Blue Sky eLearn, for being the sponsor for this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast. You can find out more about Blue Sky at blueskyelearn.com. So Jeff, you had the chance to talk with Rich Millington about online community, and I know that's an area that many of our listeners are interested in. So tell us, what did you find out? Well, we covered a, a lot of ground. Rich is a, a very smart guy who's been involved with online community for, boy, I, I guess at least a decade or so now. So we talked about um, the, the state of online communities, you know, whether they've reached a point of maturity or even saturation at this point. We talked about diagnosing some of the common issues that organizations encounter with their communities and, and what they can do if their community isn't really taking off to the degree that they had hoped it might. And then we also went to the other end of the spectrum and, and talked about an area that uh, I think doesn't get as much focus, which is if you have a really successful online community, what then? How do you leverage that? How do you really get the, the return uh, out of that? So, you know, covered a lot of territory. And then, of course, you know, I posed to Rich our standard question about uh, his lifelong learning practices. And uh, he, he gave one of the more interesting answers that we've gotten on that question during the course of the podcast. So that's something to, to listen for towards the end of this episode. All right. Well, let's not have the suspense last too long. Let's go have a listen to what Rich has to say. Hi, this is Jeff Cobb, and I am very pleased to be joined in this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast by Richard Millington, founder of Feverbee and author of Buzzing Communities, among many other achievements. And the whole topic of community and related to it, the concept of social learning, are, are very hot right now. So it's great to have a dyed-in-the-wool community expert and thought leader here with us. So, Rich, welcome to Leading Learning. Hey, and thank you for welcoming me back. Well, you know, thanks so much for taking the time today. And I know that, that many of the folks who are listening are, are 
may already be familiar with you or, or, or Feverbee and the work that you do, but for those who aren't, can you tell us just a, a little bit about you know, who you are and what you do? Sure. So what we try to do um, with the consultancy and the training and all the stuff that we do is distill a whole lot of complex psychology, data, science, case studies into very practical and very actionable steps that people can apply to grow their online communities, to collaborate better, to um, just do a much better job of what they're doing at the moment in terms of how they build online communities, how they manage them, how they get people to interact. Um, so that's kind of what we do. We try to, try to bring more scientific rigor into the work or this kind of work. Um, and it's been fun. We've been doing it for a while. Um, yeah. Well, and, and let me ask you up front, this may seem a little bit obvious, but, you know, I feel like, you know, everybody uses the word community these days, at least in, you know, in, in the world that, that we work in. And, you know, everybody acts like they know what that means, but it probably means something a little bit different to, to each person who says it. So maybe just to make sure as we're starting out here, um, how, how do you define community? Is it just a, a group of people interacting or is there more to it than that? Sure, I think you're right. It's definitely one of these terms that is being applied to every good, positive thing that's out there in the world at the moment. Um, we define it as a specific group of people who communicate with each other around a strong common interest. And these three things are really key. First, the strong common interest is what distinguishes this from a platform, say uh, Facebook or, or LinkedIn, where that strong common interest isn't there. Um, second, the, communica the communicating with each other is what distinguishes this work from just having an, an audience. So, for example, if I have a blog or if I have a, um, people that follow me on Twitter and I send out messages to them and they send their messages back, that's not community, that's an audience. Mm. So community combines those two things. It has the people that interact with, with, with each other and people that have a strong common interest when they do. And this is so important because very often we're talking about completely different things and what these things achieve will be entirely different based upon what your goal is or what kind of activity you're trying to um you're trying to um, generate more of and i like that that really, you know, the focus on, on the common interest or maybe on, you know, common practices that, that people are, are sharing. Now, I, I don't know what your perception of this is, but um, at least from where I'm sitting, it, it seems like we've been through sort of a, a boom period for communities. Like, you know, everybody and their mother had to have one, basically. Um, <laughs> you know, so ha have you seen sort of the, the initial enthusiasm uh, around communities taper off any? And, and, and if so, or even if not, you know, are, are we at the point where we're starting to have a more mature approach to communities? Sure. So let's take this back just um, maybe 10, maybe 15 years ago when this really began in a really big way. And what we're seeing then was more people getting online than ever. We're seeing broadband penetration rates go through the roof. I mean, and then we had the mobile revolution as well, which suddenly meant that people, when they're on the bus, when they're in transport, when they're sitting at home on the couch or whatever, they could also access their online community. And what this meant was for the best part of around 10, 15 year, years or so, people were spending more and more time on the internet. And now I think we're reaching that peak. We're reaching, the part, we're reaching that moment where people are spending as much time as they possibly can on the internet and they're not going to very easily spend any, any more time. And this is important because this is very much the fuel that drives online communities. So this is, you know, if you have more attention that you can give, so you can spend more time on an online community. 
And what this fuel led to was more and more online communities that being created, people joining them, um, and all these were growing. It's fantastic. But now we've reached a point where there's too many online communities that are out there at the moment. And what I mean is that if, for example, a lot of people believe that every company should have an online community, but looking just where I am at right now, I can see my phone, I can see my laptop, I can see a desk, I can see the clothes that I'm wearing, I can see a picture frame. Think of all the companies involved in putting these products together. And if every one of them had an online community that they wanted me to join, there simply isn't enough time. So there simply isn't enough attention. There isn't enough time out there in the world for every company that wants to have an online community to have one. So what I think we're seeing is a consolidation of sorts where those that don't really generate any value, those which aren't going to succeed are being filtered out. And what I think that's also going to drive, and, and I think it's happening already, is we're being more careful about whether community is actually driving the kind of behavior that we want and whether community actually has a chance of succeeding. So I know some friends of mine, um, and actually a lot, a lot of people recently have been losing their community management roles. It's been really unfortunate. But it turns out that just having activity isn't enough. Hmm. Um, and for a long time it was. It was like, as long as you have a lot of activity in your online community, that's enough, that's fine, that's perfect. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think what's happening now is that we need to be more specific about what kind of behavior actually helps us, what's going to help our organization. And that often means facing the, the realities of if a brand launches a community, they want to see a benefit of that. And that usually means we have to change the behavior of, of the members in that community. And I think we can be a bit squeamish about doing that at times, and I wish we weren't because ultimately it's the organization that's putting the bill for the community. Um, so I think that's what the maturing effect is. I think there's lots of other things going on, people being more strategic, more sta more common standards in place, more benchmarks, um, better un a better un understanding. But I think the crucial thing is that is that we cannot just think that activity alone is the end goal here. So I, I want to break down a little bit of what you just said there and, and, and definitely get back to this idea of moving from, you know, activity to uh, truly meaningful behavior. But but backing up even from there, like you said, I mean, limited attention out, limited attention out there right now. Um, you know, you may or may not be able to get people to even pay attention to the fact that you have a community. So if, if you're an organization, you know, thinking through uh, your strategic options and, you know, launching a community is one of those options that you have. How, how would you decide that it's the right thing to do, that you, that you really should go down this road and, and try to establish a community? Sure. Well, it depends very much upon what the goal is. So let's imagine um, you sell, I don't know, um, washing machines. Mm. I mean, washing machines are, you know, you spend a lot, a, lot of a lot of money on them, but you don't really care about it. I mean, unless you're crazy about washing machines, you don't really care. Um, so if your goal is to say increase retention or to generate new leads or things like that, very often you won't be building an online community. You'll be investing in your sales team. You'll be investing in the product. So you have longer retention rates. You might be investing in customer service instead. The only reason to invest in a community is when you think it can do something you already do much better. And sometimes that is genuinely the case. So for example, um, call deflection is an obvious one. If people are having questions about their washing machine, and maybe this isn't the best example, they can phone up your customer service line where you pay you know, several dollars for every, for every single call, or they can ask a question in a community and it's answered by another member and you don't pay for that. Or even better, they search for the answer online, they find the answer in the community so they don't even have to ask the question. 
So clearly there's a very big win there. There's, a, there's an immediate cost saving there. But here's another thing to think about. Like they often, brands go wrong here because they build a community about themselves. So no one in their right mind wants to spend their spare time, their precious spare time, talking about your washing machine. But they might be willing to participate in a community for, say, um, housework hacks, you know, for people that want to spend the, m- the minimal amount of time possible doing their housework. People might be interested in that. It's more relevant to their day-to-day life. So even that community is not about washing machines. The brand that creates this housework hacks community, and this is just a random example, but they still benefit a lot by having a voice in that conversation. They can identify potential leads from that community. They can um, position their brand or deliver information about the product within that community. They have to do it in a careful way, but they can do that. They can position their washing machine as the place that's going to help them or the object that's going to help them spend as, this group spend as little amount of time possible doing their, day, their daily chores, which is what people want. Um, so it's important to get that concept right because this is such a critical thing. Organizations to get the concept wrong are simply not going to succeed. And a good concept is whatever is most relevant in your audience's life right now. Um, and if we get that right, every community will be much better. And, and so I'm hearing, you know, a clear message in there that um, that you have to be, you know, actually creating some some value, um, some new value uh, with the community, um, or as you put it uh, initially, you know, you need to be enhancing or improving upon something that you already do or, or, or should be doing with the groups you serve. And you know, a lot of the people who are going to be listening to this podcast are going to be coming from the perspective of um, trade and professional associations. So they, you know, at least on paper, already have a community of sorts. Um, you know, so they have this group that they're, that they're serving in, in various ways. And it would seem logical to then have an online community be an extension of that. But a lot of times, you know, they'll get the community up there, they'll get people in it, maybe they'll have some initial activity, but then they find, you know, it doesn't take long before no one's really participating, no one's, you know, really in, engaged to use that, that word that gets so used, gets used so often now. So I, I know this is the type of thing that you probably deal with on a day to day basis, if you don't mind, you know, you know, playing the, the doctor here and doing a diagnosis, what, what would you do with that? You know, how would you go about figuring out the, the real reasons that people just aren't participating or, or engaged with a, with a community like that? So there's a couple of things here. The best thing to do is to speak to as many of these people as possible. Once you begin asking them why aren't they participating, and most importantly, what do they think of when they think of that community and what do they feel about the community? The emotional component here is a really critical thing. Mm. So for example, um, we have, um, it's one of the most common situations we have is that we'll have a online community um, and then someone will um, explain that people aren't participating or, but when we begin interviewing them, it'll be they're not participating because they feel scared. They don't know what to contribute. They don't know what to share or they won't be participating because it's not relevant to them. They don't see what value they get out of it or they participated once, they didn't get a good response, so they don't participate again. So you can narrow down very specifically. This is perhaps where the science side comes into it. You can narrow down very specifically what's going wrong here and what you need to work on next. Usually if there was engagement and it died down, it's because either the community manager didn't do enough or whoever's responsible for the community didn't didn't do enough to continue driving that activity. Or it's because the concept itself just wasn't interesting enough. There was an initial burst there, but then the value wasn't there. Mm. And, And here's the thing about any community, it has to help people do something they already do better. And this is a really critical thing. So 
for example, in um, many internal communities where people share information and they exist to acquire knowledge from each other, they're often very hard to get off the ground because people can always, if they need help, they'll send a email to a colleague that that they know that will respond within, say, three hours or four hours, you know, and they trust the advice of that person, they get a good response. So if you're trying to build a community within that kind of environment, for example, you need to make sure that the community response is much faster. You have to make sure it's much easier. You have to make sure that the quality and the quantity of responses is much better. These are the things that show there's much better value in doing this behavior than doing that old behavior. So a community has to replace a behavior that members are already doing, and it has to be better than what members are already doing, or they're simply not going to value that community much. And when it gets right down to it, um, so you know, so you're trying to make it clear that the value is there, that, that you you know are offering something that uh, is going to enhance what people are doing. I mean, when the, when the rubber hits the road, oftentimes that's a community manager or somebody in the community sitting there, and they're about to post something, something that they hope is going to be valuable to the people that it's going out to. I mean, do you have any practical tips? I mean, from, you know, how to title something to, you know, do you put a phrase in there like, you know, what are your thoughts? Or is that just kind of, you know, too bland and and generic? I mean, when 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 it comes right down to posting something in a community, what are practical things you might do that are going to heighten the chances that people are going to tune in to that you're going to get their attention and that they're going to think that there's something valuable there that they that they do want to engage with? (laughs) <laughs> sure. I mean, there's a bunch of things that you can do to optimize the post and how you structure it and use the exact words that you put in there. But here we're talking about very small, we're talking about optimizations of, you know, 1% or like like 2% or so, not big wins. For a big win, you're far better off talking, I mean, so when you phrase a question, you know, you, you mentioned um, someone will post a piece of content and hope it will take off. But if you do the research beforehand, there should be no hope involved. So, for example, if I wanted to post about a issue in community management right right now, I might ask you know ten experts in in this field what they think about the issue, and I might include that within the post. And I guarantee you that at least eight of these ten experts will share it with, with their friends. They're more likely to respond. They're more likely to participate. So it's not as much hoping as involved. It's very much you follow the process to deliver the kind of content that people want. Mm. Um, in terms of how you optimize the post, I mean. The biggest ones is not to sound like a notice board. I mean, we went into a client a couple of years ago and every single post was like, someone had just put a discussion as a notice board item and they weren't asking the question. So very simple tips here are to ask the question within the subject line of discussion. If you're writing content, then treat it more as like a a local newspaper. Don't make content seem like it's going to be the same content every single week with a few tweaks. Make sure that it mentions people within the community. Talk about what people in the community um, think about the issue, what they feel about the issue. Talk about what people in the community are doing, what their latest milestones are. Because building that sense of peer connection is really impressive. Um, So that's the kind of content that matters far more than um, optimizing some things. And, you know, some quotes like, tell us what you think, doesn't really have a big impact what will have a big impact is um going through a lot of the existing material that you have so if you look at um lonely planet or um caravanistan i think the uh, two big travel sites they do a great job of integrating the latest discoveries with, with a discussion so you read the content there and then there's a relevant discussion to that that content so if you have any updates on this or if you have your own experience with this then people can participate there so it drives more activity as as a result 
Um, so optimizations, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff you can do and Copy Blogger and all the other sites will teach you great things you can do for that. But we're talking about really small percentages here. And right. if you want to win, then do the research of the audience because I, I swear to you, spending half a day with a few members of your audience will give you so much better information than any optimizations ever could. Well, that makes sense. We find the exact same thing when we're consulting on uh, uh, organizations' education businesses and determining you know, what content uh, to offer. And, and a lot of times organizations just really haven't spent the time talking uh, to, <laughs> yeah. to the people who are going to be receiving that education. So, but I don't, I don't want to deal completely on, on problems uh, here, even though you know, there, there seem to be a lot of issues with people getting their communities up and running and really active. But you know, obviously, some organizations are, are quite successful um, at this. So let's, let's talk about the, the opposite end of the spectrum for a minute and let's say you do have you know really thriving engaged community what do you see as the ways that you know you can you can capitalize on a highly active community that that may not be obvious at, at first you know how do you really get that return off of the community off of the community sure we've just been doing um a lot of work on this with um sap actually um so one of the issues we have when it comes to online communities and talking about the return and the value of communities is that we don't. We tend to only track one thing, say uh, call deflection or um, knowledge gained or knowledge shared or these kinds of things, and we don't use it for everything that we could do. So, if we have a online community, for example, um, then we want to also be using it as a good good feedback group. We want to be making sure people are referring uh, people to us. So, for example, um, so we have a online community, a online community for people that build communities. It's a very meta kind of community um, but we can use that I mean if we give each of our members say the opportunity to give one of their friends a free module of our training course but they can earn but you know it expires by a certain date then we find that these people are going to do that they're going to refer a, a lot of their friends to take to a to a take our course and that's going to generate a lot of leads for us we'll we'll close x percentage of, um, of those leads so there's a clear win there's a clear value from doing that if we ask people how they think or feel about different things that are going on in the sector, it guides what kind of content we're going to create. It guides um, whether we feel what we're doing is most aligned with the daily challenges that people have. Um, the demographic data is really interesting as well. We know what people, what platforms people are visiting from. We know what they're doing um, and how long they stay on the site. We know where they go to. We know where, where they come from. So all that data fee feeds into what the company does. Um, we might be looking at doing a, spon a, a, a sponsorship deal with another relevant partner in that field. Um, again, there's extra value that comes from doing that. Uh, we might give um, discounted upgrades to whatever services that, that we're doing to our existing members. So the more they participate, the more discounts the, that they get. But also they're buying more of what we buy or sell. So there's so many different ways that you, we can optimize what we do here. We might be using the community as a customer service board. So if you have a question about the training, you don't just have to ask us. You can also ask everyone else in the community and get far more opinions. So the customer satisfaction score should be much higher. Um, so the list is endless here. Like there's so many things that a community can be used for. Or, for example, um, if we're going to recruit someone to join the business today, we might put up a job advert in the community or just reach out to people who have been shown to be the most passionate and the smartest people in that field. Um, so the list here is endless. There are so many ways that we can use a community. But I think one of the challenges we have right now is that we only focus on one. Like mm -hmm. We only focus on whatever the purpose was in the first place, so sharing information or whatever, and that we're missing out on so many other opportunities. And I feel that's such a shame.
And I'm wondering if in your work you've um, you know focused on communities really as a as a learning tool because um, you know a lot of people who are listening to this are going to be uh, you know concerned with with social learning and you know having people interact to uh, develop knowledge to to share best practices um, you know to, to what extent do you focus on that you know and is there anything fundamentally different about that type of community or measuring the success of that type of community from your perspective? Sure. Well, I'd, I'd um, say that every community is a learning community in its own ways. People asking questions and getting answers, whether that's about your health, whether that's about what you think the sports season or your sports team is going to do in the future. It's all a learning community of sorts. Um, in terms of knowledge, learning as in the knowledge side of things, um, I think one of the challenges here is that the knowledge is that we don't focus on the behavior that we need enough. So, for example, we need people to do around three specific things, right, which is to ask questions, um, share knowledge, and read the answers. I mean, this, those are the three specific behaviors that we need. So the most fundamental thing that I think we can be doing is finding out how to trigger people to visit that community. So the problem we have very often is that people will launch a community where if you have a problem you can go there you can ask a question you can get a response and that's great if you have a problem every single day but if you don't if you have a problem once a week once a month once a year then you're not going to visit that community very often and it's far better to establish the community as a place that has fresh exciting ideas every single day so not a place that, that you go to to resolve a pain point but a place that's going to help you get to where you want to be in the future so instead of on the negative side it's on the positive side so if you miss a day, if you don't visit that community on that one particular day, you're going to miss out on fresh ideas that, that, that were being shared. So a community should be a very exciting place to visit. That fear of missing out here should be really important. And so putting in places or, or putting in place a very specific mechanism for doing that is going to be important. So instead of focusing around the challenges that people have or asking people what, what they're struggling with, you might ask them, what did you learn this week? Or, or, what, or what's the best idea you've heard in the past month? Because these kinds of, or, you know, what have you achieved this week? How did you achieve it? Who wants to submit their latest breakdown? I mean, these kinds of questions, this kind of content is going to be kind of content that isn't problem-based, but it's going to be about opportunity-based. Mm. And I think that's going to be a huge win for most communities. And I think that's what's different from most other types of communities out there. It's different from communities based around customer support. It's different based around home communities based around um, health. Um, I think that's what makes knowledge sharing communities really unique is that you have to position them as a community that is that you have to visit. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on great ideas every single day. And I love that, uh, you know, really focusing on opportunities as opposed to problems. I mean, you know, you can obviously address problems as they arise, but I feel like so many communities get obsessed with problems. That's all it is, is a place, you know, to, to post your problems and you don't yeah. get the opportunity side of it. So I think that's an incredibly important point. Um, to, to get a little bit more, you know, prosaic, I, I guess, you know, obviously to, to make all of this happen, you have to have people who are uh, on the organization side, you know, running it, you know, helping to make sure things are actually happening in the community. So how, how are you seeing organizations, you know, staff, whether that's, you know, their own staff or contracting to, to support their communities effectively? I mean, do you have to have someone with a, you know, a community manager title uh, or, you know, what is the right staffing for just your sort of average uh, community if, if there is an average? <laughs> oh, man, this is a complete mess. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you know what? There are some organizations that do an incredible job here. They are fully staffed up. They recognize the value of community and they do it well and they commit to it and they get results from it as a result. Um, there are some that like to dip their toe in it. So they'll make it part of the marketing manager's job or they have the summer intern that's working on it. And they usually end up dis- disappointed and they cancel the project. Mm. Um, so those are two extremes. But in the middle, there's is really there's a lot of really messy stuff going on where an organization, and my, fa- my favorite ones are where an organization spends, say, 50 grand on a new platform and then gives it to the most junior member of staff to manage that community. Um, and with the best one in the world, the junior person is going to take time to learn this. They're going to make mistakes. They don't know what to do and they don't have the training to do this before. Um, so we're seeing a very wide range of things. Um, I think the idea of having a full-time community manager is getting more common for the, for a very specific branch of communities in the technology and the startup, um, and kind of those related fields, video gaming as well. And a few, and a few other, other fields It's quite common in internal communities in knowledge sharing and things like that. Outside of that, it usually ends up being a part-time job or what someone else has to do. And the results, as a result, are very mixed. Um, sometimes it takes off and it works really well. Sometimes mm. it doesn't. Um, and I think uh, right now we have a situation where the community manager role is probably declining a little bit. Uh, but the number of people doing the work or something, something related to it is growing. Um, so the I think it's, ev- it's evolving. And it's not going to be called community management anymore. I think it's going to be called... I think it's going to split, and I think it is splitting already, where it will be part of customer loyalty or lead generation or um, or um, retention or knowledge management. It'll be one of more like one of these fields. Um, yeah, that's where I think it's going, and I'm, I don't know if that's going to be a good or a bad thing, but I think it's going to be a thing. I think it's going to be a different um, thing that happens from what's happening now. Okay. And so that, I guess that's one sort of emerging or potentially emerging trend. Um, what, what else do you see as, uh, you know, ways that community is going to change or approaches to community are going to change? I mean, if you look out, um, 10 years, maybe that's too far, maybe it should be five years. I don't know, but, uh, how, how is, how is community and sort of the approach to community likely to be different based on what you're seeing right now? <laughs> um, I have no idea, but we I think won't it's hold fun. you to it. <laughs> but, but I think it's fun to take a guess, right? Basically, if you're looking at the current big trends right now, the really big trends, you look at uh, bots and machine learning. So, for example, if we can almost train a bot to act like a human being, then we can do most of a community manager, or a bot can do most of a community manager's job today. Mm. If we we can train a bot to write content, which they already do, if we can train a bot to remove the bad stuff, to invite people, to welcome people, to respond to to uh, questions in the community, which again they should be able to do much faster than what any other member of the of the of the, of the community can, then I think clearly, clearly bots are going to be a big thing. I think we're about to have another billion people join the internet from. Africa, and I don't know what kind of impact that's going to have, um, but I think it's going to be interesting. I think mobile is going to be big, but not going to be the decisive thing. Um, I think it's going to, I think a lot of people are going to be using mobile, and I think the, the location aware side. But I think there's, there's a couple of really, I think if I had to pick out two things, I think it's the likelihood of one big dominant platform ruling everything. Mm. So in the video gaming space, for example, there used to be lots of um, communities for different games, different sectors, all these kind of things. Now most of them are on Reddit. 
And that's because Reddit has the existing audience there. We see it with um, Stack Exchange as well, um, where there's one, it's one kind of platform, but lots of communities on it. So I think there's always a chance that one platform will be really dominant here. I think the other thing, like I said, is bots. Um, I think bots will be big. Um, and yeah, I don't know what's going to happen when we have another billion people on the internet. I don't know how it's going to interact. Um, maybe in the really short term, I think we're going to have a lot of legal battles and cultural battles about what people can say and what they should say and on the data and the privacy side as well. So for example, in the European Union today, um, which Britain currently, for now, um, is a member of, um, the challenge of exporting data or contacting people or the data private or the data privacy laws are really difficult. Right now, almost every online community breaks a law in the European Union. Huh. Um, so I think it's going to I mean they're not enforcing it, but I think there's going to be a lots of short term stuff on that. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't know what we're going to end up with, but I think the discipline is always going to be strong. But I think the profession is going to have a very interesting decade or so. Definitely, definitely interesting times that we're in right now. Um, well, let's let's wrap things up on um, a, a bit more of a personal level. Um, that, you know, we like to ask all guests who come on the podcast, since this is a podcast about uh, lifelong learning and, and the market for lifelong learning. So, what are some of your own lifelong learning habits? And then I'll add to that that you know, given that your focus is on communities, it'd be interesting to know how you use communities as part of your own lifelong learning. Sure. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is a great question. I love this question. Um, so a couple, a, couple, a couple of things that have worked for me. Um, so for years, so my wife is from um, Lithuania, and I've been trying to learn Lithuanian for years. Ah. But it wasn't until I signed up for a course, I moved to Lithuania for, 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 for a, a couple of months that I made any headway at all. So I like the idea of, I don't know the right way to phrase it, but to burn my bridges behind me. Huh. So, for example, if I wanted to learn, or oh, we are doing it, so, you know, we're doing a lot more work in the collaboration space. I want to learn more about collaboration. My plan is to book a trip to the, U- the USA, meet with, you know, the top 20 experts in the different cities there, because I know once that trip is booked, once I've made an investment in it, I'm not going to let that investment go to waste. I'm going to follow through on doing it. Um, so I found taking really decisive action like that really helps, especially at the right moment. So a friend of mine um, a while ago wanted to change her life around. She wasn't happy with with her job. Um, And then at the right point, after a couple of drinks, to be honest, um, she she signed up for a very premium course, um, a university-based course, but is distance um, um, learning as well in Mm -hmm. HR. So it's a decisive action. Like There's no turning back from it. And even on the down day, she sticks with it. Um, In terms of a daily habit thing, I think one of the challenges or one of the things I find really useful for community is finding out who to learn from. Um, so, for example, if I want to, or one of the challenges we have recently is finding a good designer or good um, SEO person. And I find that, communi- that communities are great, both for the knowledge that they have, but the context that they have. So I love asking questions such as, who is a great resource in X or who has done this for you in the past? Because I think finding, out, finding the great people, people who are really good at what they do, is such a useful thing to have. And then you know who to learn from. You can, you can contact them. Um, but I find those kinds of things really useful. And I guess on the day-to-day level as well, it's just setting up time every day to read or whatever it is. Um, so you know, at the start of my day, um, I find that writing a blog post has been the best way to learn 
about any particular field because you have to research the blog post to do it. So if I were to learn a completely different field, I'd probably begin with a blog. Um, and then I'd have to re- re- research every single day to keep that blog going. So yeah, I guess that's more my angle on it. Um, yeah, and it's worked for me. I don't know if it will work for everyone else. I mean, some of it is pretty wacky, I guess. Um, but it works for me. Well, I love that. I think uh, that kind of you know all in approach, uh, burning bridges. I, I think um, I think you may be the first person who's uh, said that or at least said that as as emphatically uh, uh, on the podcast. So that that's great input, and I, I completely agree. You know that that sort of immersion, um, just being decisive and going forward is is often really what's required if you want to if you want to you know make a significant change or acquire significant yeah. new knowledge and skills. So, well, it's it's been a pleasure talking as as we're wrapping up here. Um, can you let people know you know how they can find you, how they can find Feverbee? Um, you know, what's a good way to connect with you if they have questions? Sure, this is really easy. You can go to www.feverbee.com. I don't think we even need the www anymore, do we? Uh, so just go to feverbee.com right. or on Twitter at Rich Millington. Well, great. Well, Rich, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. Thank you. Thank you so much for welcoming back, me, me back again. It was a real pleasure to do. That wraps up our interview with Rich Millington, and as we're exiting, we'll mention our fall event again, the Leading Learning Symposium. To get information about it, go to symposium.leadinglearning.com. And again, thanks to Naylor Learning Solutions, powered by Blue Sky eLearn, for sponsoring this podcast episode. To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 47. And while you're there, you'll see the various options for subscribing to the podcast. And we certainly hope that if you aren't subscribed already, that you will take a moment and click subscribe so that we get delivered to you automatically on a weekly basis. We'd also be grateful if you would take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. And to do that, you can go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We truly appreciate you taking the time to give us a rating. It makes a world of difference in helping others find the podcast. And speaking of helping others find the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would share the good word about leading learning with others. You can just step out into the hallway and shout it out to the world if you want. Or if you want a little more subdued approach, you can go out on social media. And in fact, if you go to leadinglearning.com slash share, you will get an automatically populated tweet that you can send out to the world, or you can take the language in that tweet and put it into Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever floats your boat when it comes to social media. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.